You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast as we go through our Christmas series called God With Us. We're going to continue our series in Matthew chapter 1. So if you want to open a Bible there. And as we continue this series, God With Us, we have free books in the back. Uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, great Pastor Brian Broderson wrote a book that we're giving out this month just to be able to um, bless you guys to continue to dig deep in the subject how God is with us and I want to encourage you to not only take it but to read it okay oftentimes we give you resources opportunities you need to take those opportunities or resources and apply them and use them and, and, and utilize them so feel free to grab that book but tonight we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25 I'll read it uh, and then Let's pray again and get focused and just trying to make us a simple message, trying to just highlight God with us. How do you do this, Robin? It's so hard. It's so good. All right. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quickly or quietly. Uh, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I'm titling this message, An Incredible Story. An Incredible Story. As we think about reminders and truth and the tradition of Christmas and have read Luke chapter 2 during worship and even read now chapter 1 of Matthew, there's a simple point of application for us that I want us to understand and to learn that this is something that God wants us to know, that this is all true, it's all real, it's an incredible story full of miracles and supernatural. And just pray that God would teach us and reveal more of his character as we think and focus on this. So let's pray and ask God to do that. Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit can give truth. We thank you, God, that you can speak through your word, that we don't need to um, make up things or be creative or even have a great message, Lord. The gospel is the greatest message on earth. Help us to glory in the gospel, this good news that you came and you died and you loved and you lived, Lord, and you rose again and you give salvation. Lord, would you do a great, deep, transformational work in our hearts as we just take time to reflect. It takes time to remember. So, Lord, we just read the story, but we just want to meditate, ponder on truth. Holy Spirit, as I talk, I pray that you would speak to the hearts that are listening. Thank you for their lives. Thank you, Lord, for your perfect and great plan in their life. I pray, Lord, that you would just build their faith to trust you more to know that you are a God that is with them in control of their lives, gentle and full of mercy and guiding. 
And so guide us tonight, Lord, as we continue to just pause and slow down and just reread this story over and over again and just take time to, to worship you, God. We worship you now and as we study your word, as we read it over, as we look at it again, and we just thank you for this opportunity. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Everyone said, amen. Well, Merry Christmas. It's still a thing, right? We can say that. Does anyone know the, the derivative of Merry Christmas? What does that mean? Is that just a fancy way of saying Happy Christmas? Have a great Christmas? I think sometimes we have certain traditions, holidays, or reminders we were talking about earlier about gifts. We just forget. We say it, but we don't even know. Merry Christmas. But oftentimes the Bible gives elaboration, details of a simple truth or a great profound truth and, and elaborates it through a narrative or a story like we just read, like God loves us or God is with us. God became man. We find all these incredible truths by just slowing down and reading something so full or a benediction like instead of saying Merry Christmas, I was thinking about you guys this week and praying for this message and thinking who's coming. I just pray that God would fill your Christmas with hope and peace and the love of Jesus. Now, you wouldn't be overwhelmed by the chaos of events or budgeting or gifts or having the perfect day, but in this season, the Holy Spirit would give you revelation, a fresh look of the character and love of God. Merry Christmas. It's a big difference. Sometimes we have to define what we mean, what we say, and aren't you glad that the Bible does that? It reminds us, it defines the character, the nature of God. And as we've been paused and meditating on this Christmas story, we're meditating with this bent, this slant, this truth that God is with us. What an incredible thing to say. It's almost blaspheming if you think about it. How dare someone say that God is with them? How arrogant and horrible and terrible. Like, what would you, what do you prove it? But God does prove it. God does demonstrate it. This is the God that we serve. And oftentimes, the world is celebrating Christmas and they don't have this type of joy or peace or hope because they don't serve this type of God, Jesus. They celebrate a story, a fable, a made-up God in their mind and they don't get the definition from Scripture that God truly is with us. He is engaged in your life. He loves you. He cares for you. He cares for us. And so, Truly, this is what makes Christmas special for a believer, a follower of Jesus, that Jesus would be with us, that we put our faith in him, and there is some good news in this season, the gospel. There's good news in every season, and there's times of fasting and feasting. And Jesus would tell his disciples, hey, don't fast right now, feast, celebrate, the bridegroom is with you. And there is seasons in our life where we actually need to celebrate as Christians, we need to celebrate the gospel. We need to have parties. We need to bake the hams. We need to give the gifts in response to the truth that God is with us. Despite our behavior, despite our mess ups, he's a God of mercy and of love and he cares for us. He saves and his presence is real in our life in every season. Feasting, fasting, Christmas, New Year, whenever it may be. And so we've been meditating, pondering on this truth. We started with John chapter one, and then we looked at Luke chapter one, taking the first chapter to get different perspectives. John focused on how really love came down. You guys remember that? Love came down, that God in his humility 
came down from his glory and entered humanity. And he put on flesh. We need to pause and we need to meditate and think about just the humility of Jesus. And he gave his right to serve us, to love us. He came down. And John, along with all the other authors of the Bible, clearly teach that Jesus is God. I was thinking about this because I was like, I can give a lot of references, but I think one of my favorite references of this is found in Colossians. Starts in verse 15 and goes through like the whole chapter, really. But just in verse 19 and 20, listen to what Paul said. It says, for in him, speaking of Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, bless you, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. So it shows the nature of Jesus. It shows his purpose. And it says, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. We as Christians should not think about Christmas without thinking about the cross and the love of God. For John said in 1 John 4, 9, that it was God that manifested his love on the cross. He continued to pour out his love and show his love. And that's just why he came. There is a great purpose and plan in the person of Jesus coming to flesh. And it was to save the world, save all of humanity of their sin. Salvation, hope, a right relationship with God. And you remember John highlights this as he talks about how God became one of us. In John chapter 1, verse 12, he said, But to all who did receive him, speaking of Jesus, this baby that was born, who believed in his name, his character, his goodness, who he is, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, we're all made in the image of God, but we're not all children of God. The gospel says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that, that sin has separated us. And this is the work and the purpose of Jesus to seek and save the lost. The Bible says that he came to redeem by his blood, that we were condemned to go to hell. The wrath of God was upon us. The wages of sin was death. Let us not forget that in this good news, why it's so good, there is salvation. We are saved from something, from facing a fear, fear uh, from facing the, the wrath of God and we're the fear of God and who he is in judgment. But God in his love and his mercy came to redeem us by his blood. And what's beautiful about this is he forgives us. He adopts us into his family so that we're saved and all we have to do is believe. You know, I think that we should just reclaim that when we talk about Christmas spirit. People are like, you got the Christmas spirit. It's not just in the We got the Christmas spirit. We got the Holy Spirit within us because when Jesus died on the cross and rose again and ascended to the Father, he gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit. And when we put our faith in him, we have Christ's spirit inside of us. It fills us. He fills us with the presence of God and we are able to walk in this good news, the gospel. I hope this Christmas season you don't forget about the gospel. You don't forget about why Jesus came. And this is the beautiful plan of salvation. It was a part of God's plan foretold about in the scripture and the coming of the Messiah so that we would believe. And so we looked at Luke chapter one of why Luke wrote his gospel and started with a guy named John the Baptist. It's the best Christmas story ever. Because God not only wanted to save us, but he wanted to make it known to us the way of salvation. 
Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A lot of people worship a lot of different gods, but he is the one and true God, and he wanted to prove that to us. And so Luke starts off with the count and the good news, the gospel of Jesus, his biography, not with the birth, but with the foretelling of his birth, with signs and wonders, letting us know that this was the perfect time for Jesus to come so that he could be with us. Again, Paul puts it this way in a different epistle, Galatians chapter four, verse four and five. But when the fullness of time had come, meaning there was a specific time, a specific plan, it was the right time for this Jesus, our God, Jesus of Nazareth to be born. God sent forth his son, the text says. He proactively sent Jesus for this plan of salvation. Born of a woman, born under the law, and to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. The same language as John used in John chapter 1, verse 12. It was the perfect time in the perfect way that Jesus came according to God's plan, but yet as we read this story, it does not seem all that great. You got no room in the inn. You got this scandal, this sexual scandal. You have all these things going on at this place, and you're like, Is this, was this a mistake? And God's like, nope. This was for a reason. This is important for us because as believers, we have sometimes a lot of crazy things going on in our lives. And we can have the enemy come in and say, oh, that God's not really engaged or with you. This is all just a big mistake. No, God is with us. He has a plan, and John the Baptist was a part of his plan. He was a messenger, a forerunner. Luke would go on in Luke chapter 3, verses 3 through 6, and say that he, speaking of John the Baptist, went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Now remember, Isaiah was 700 years before Jesus was born. Before John came on the scene, he says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his pace path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. God would send John and many other signs to us so we would know Jesus is the Christ. Luke wanted us to know the full story, the meta story you can say of scripture. That everything God made was good and there was perfect, there was creation, but sin entered in and there was fall. And ever since that fall of our first father, Adam, humanity, God said, I'm gonna prophesy and promise salvation through a Messiah, the anointed one, and there's redemption in him. And the Bible says that when you put your faith in him, he will make all things new and there is a hope of heaven. God fulfills his plans perfectly. We need reminders of this. And today we're gonna add another aspect, a simple aspect, maybe too simple. The thing I want you to focus and take home tonight is this. The story is real. The gospel is real. It's all true. Everything that we're studying is all true. Everything that you remember, the birth of Jesus, what scripture says, God truly is with us. And Matthew starts his gospel by the genealogy of Jesus Christ. 
And he really wants us to know that God in the presence of Jesus is with people. He has a plan. He wants you to know it. And it affects real people like you and me. If you look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, not going to read it all, but just verse 1 says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David to the son of Abraham. In verse, uh, verse 17, I believe, it talks about how there were 14 generations between Abraham and David. And then David and to the Babylon kingdom, there's 14 generations. And it gives this list of all these people from the line of Abraham, from the line of David. And one of the reasons why Matthew's bringing this out, because these guys had specific promises or a covenant from God about the Messiah being in their bloodline. The father of faith, Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God gave Abraham this covenant that the Messiah would come through him, that all nations would be blessed. And then God makes this nation, sets them free, and they go into this promised land, and they have their king, and all this stuff is going on, and God reminds them. David, 2 Samuel chapter 7, 8 through the end of the chapter talks about this covenant and he renews the covenant and people are are doubting. They're saying, it's been generation. It's been too long. Have you ever felt that way? It's just been too long, God. Is this promise ever going to come fulfilled? And he just reminds them, listen, all this stuff, I've been working, I've been working, I've been working. This prophecy, this promise, it'll affect the nations and it'll affect you. It'll affect real people, imperfect people, People like me and you. And so in this example, there's examples of Rahab and prostitutes and, and liars and really gross people and, and really great people. You have Boaz and all these different characters that God's plan affected to show us the diversity of the kingdom of God. That Jesus' bloodline would give us a good picture of humanity that broken people need God and God wants to be with them. It was in Ephesians chapter two, verse four and five, where it talks about our humanity and our sin and our brokenness. And it says, but God, but God being rich in his mercy because of the great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. What you need to understand about Christmas and the gospel story, it was not man or us that were so great, but it was God who was so great. We were made alive by God. The first Adam failed, and we inherited death, condemnation. But the second man, the second Adam, Jesus was perfect, and now we inherit righteousness and no condemnation in Christ. We're adopted as sons and daughters. We enter into a relationship with God and have access to the presence of God through Jesus. And this celebration of Jesus is one of great news and glorious joy. So much so the angels had to come down and say, shepherds, it's all real. You better celebrate and go find this Messiah. This is something to be found. This is something to give your life to, to risk for. Because that's what the shepherds were doing. They They were risking their property, their job, their life to go find Jesus. Jesus would give us parables and say, man, there was this guy, he found this this treasure and he just gave everything up for it. There's something special that we have to realize because it's so common to us that we don't actually realize God wants us to embrace this story and receive this story and what would it look like in your life if you actually believed that it was real? 
that God is who he says he is. Because Matthew's perspective is just like, it's all true. These are the details, but you guys know this is how it all plays out. The Christmas story is one that we need in our lives and we need to share this story. We need the glory of the miracle of the gospel of our salvation that God became a man and is with us. And so Matthew starts this text off by one simple phrase. It took place this way. It took place this way. He wants us to know this story is true and we can embrace it and God's presence and be blessed. So he focuses on two real people. The application is already in the story. If this story is real, how would it affect people? Well, we actually just read how it would affect people. It brings us to the birth story of Jesus and Mary and Joseph being affected. The parents of Jesus who were affected by this miraculous birth. And so in verse 18, he says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph. That's a, a, a more cultural word would be like engaged, but actually a covenant. They were, it was almost like they were already married. You're going to see that it says there's this divorce that has to take place when you're betrothed with someone. Before they came together, consummated their marriage, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So here's, here's the setup that Matthew wants you to know. You have Joseph, you have Mary. They're living in sexual purity. They're trying to honor God with their bodies as we should try to honor God with our bodies. And all of a sudden, they're betrothed to get married and then Mary, the person, becomes pregnant. That'd just be rough. How do you explain that to friends, to family? How does Mary explain that to Joseph? This would have been devastating because according to law, if there was pregnancy or infidelity or adultery in a betrothed or a marriage, that would be the right of being stoned. We had that in the Levitical law. They were Jews. So it would have been a humiliating thing to be with child outside of marriage. And it would have been a humiliating thing to be with child in a, in a marriage, in a, being betrothed. Because they did not, were not able to do that right now. The Lord did not want that. Can you just imagine for a moment try, Mary trying to say, no, God did this. Not a chance. But we see something very important because Joseph, it says, was a, a just man, a righteous man. And this is why Joseph was going to divorce her, not stone her. You can tell that he loved Mary. I don't know if it was lovey-dovey Mary or are a lovey-dovey, like, action, but he didn't want to kill her. There was a sense of forgiveness. He just wanted to put it away, not to shame her. You made a mistake. I still care about you. He wasn't going to shame her and put her away. In verse 19, it says, her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her. Quiet. Quietly or quickly? Thank you, scholars. Quietly. Just making sure you're reading the Bible. That's it. And I have no idea how to pronounce that word. I always get it wrong. And every year I hear about it. Now, notice Joseph was just. That just means you do the right thing. He was trying to do the right thing. Have you ever just tried to do the right thing in your life? 
Even when other people make mistakes, imagine here's perspective. The person you love that you care about, you're trying to do the right thing even though everyone else jacked your life up. That's sort of how sin really is. Sin is gross, it's messed up, you rebel against God, it affects you. Even when you do the right thing, it still messes with your life and his character is shaped by his behavior. He wanted to do the right thing, so he was thinking about what to do. I'm just gonna divorce her quickly, not bring her to shame and move on. But then an angel shows up. Karen and I were just talking, angels are real. Imagine an angel showing up. Oftentimes when you think about an angel, you think about a lovey-dovey angel or even in this. But every time an angel shows up, humanity or humans are freaked out out of their minds. They fall down in fear, collapse almost as if they're dead. Angels typically have the response saying, fear not. If you read Revelation, you get the idea that these heavenly creatures are powerful beings. And yet it's in their power that they submit to an even greater being, God himself. And God would send these beings as messengers. That's what an angel means, to give a certain message. And then verse 20, it says, but as he was considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. You got a little dual action right there. Supernatural work through a dream and an angel appearing. Joseph, son of David, You know David because he's in the bloodline. It's like he's just making sure that you know who Joseph is and the reality of it. And the angel, first thing he says is, do not fear. And he could be saying this about himself because he's so great, but he says about the situation. Oftentimes it's in our hearts. It's not the things that we fear that that are true that get us. It's the, the situation that could be. Because he doesn't say, do not fear about me. He says, do not fear about taking Mary. He was fearful or frightened or didn't want to still engage with her and Mary because of the situation that could happen. This is why we and you and I, me, we need faith to trust God in the things that will happen. We walk by faith and not by sight because we get crippled by the things that are futuristic that we can't see and we make up all these scenarios And we truly need to have God and his voice help us with the scenarios in our mind, like the angel does with Joseph. Because God knows the future, but we don't. We're finite. God's infinite, so he sees and he can give promises and prophecy and speak life and hope. And when we base our life on his narrative and his truth and his promises, it alleviates the fear and we can walk in faith of what he says. And so he says, do not fear but take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So God now sends an angel, a messenger, to speak to Joseph in a dream. Again, you gotta give it up to God because it's a supernatural thing taking place. This is just part of our faith. We have a supernatural faith. There are miracles taking on all the time. Remember that God still does miracles today. God intervenes this situation, situation of humanity with a miracle. And so this angel says, all that Mary must have said is true. I mean, just, I mean, this is like just, this is not scripture. This is my 21st century mind. 
But imagine the relief that Mary had after this dream. Like, could, I don't know if she didn't say it, but could you just imagine, like, I told you. He was wrestling with it, and even if he believed Mary, he was gonna do something else because he was based off fear. But now he heard from the Lord himself, this angel of the Lord came, gave the message. Hey, the baby conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And this changes the trajectory of his life. Just as how God, when he speaks to you, it changes your life. This is why we need to be in God's word to build our faith, to hear the promises, to know the future of things. And this angel says, all that Mary said is true. This must have been a relief for Mary, even Joseph in a sense. Because remember, he was just, he wanted to do the right thing to know that God was at work even in the midst of this trial. You know, you may say your, heart, your life is hard, yes. But isn't there some comfort and relief to know that God can still work in the midst of your life because he is with you? God is with us in our trials. He can work them out for our good to make us more like his son. And God gives us comfort in this life here and now through the presence and person of the Holy Spirit. He's at work. He loves us. He cares about us. He didn't hate Joseph and Mary. He actually loved them and they were part of humanity, which he was trying to save. There was some temporary pain for some eternal goodness. In your life, have you ever noticed that God works and gives you some temporary pain for some internal goodness? It's this gap. And God does not tempt anyone, but he does bring trials because he wants you to trust him and to know him in intimate ways. We're talking about God with us. Oftentimes, we put our face towards the Lord when we need him the most. And so Mary and Joseph are meeting God in a very supernatural, intimate, and special way that we're reading years later because of a trial. Just because you're going through a trial does not mean that God is not with you and with me. Now, this special birth was for a special baby. We have babies all over the place. That's what I love about being a pastor in church. It's like all of a sudden there's something in the water and babies come. It's great. You have John the Baptist here, this baby. You have Jesus, this baby now. But there was a special purpose. Just as the angel gave prophesy and promise for John the Baptist, the angel would give a special purpose for Jesus and heaven would tell Joseph the purpose of Jesus. In verse 21, she, Mary will bear a son, speaking of Jesus, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. This is a significant piece of information that the world does not talk about on Christmas, though, do they? Sin. This is an important truth that we need to be reminded of. We are totally condemned and lost in our sin without Jesus. Could you imagine if Jesus did not redeem? If he did not initiate, if he did not save, this person of Jesus would save all of humanity because he would die for all sins, the Bible says. And we all need this mediator, this high priest, this Hebrews would say he's an apostle sent by God to do this work in our lives. Salvation. God is salvation. So the angel tells Joseph, I want you to name this baby, this son, this special child, the Messiah, the anointed one, Christ. His name shall be Jesus. 
because it means God is salvation. Because the great story of scripture is about God and not necessarily us. We have to read scripture and say, what does this teach me about God? Not pulling a scripture and saying, how can I just get something out of it for today? Three truths. No, what does this teach us about God? He loves us, he cares for us, he saves us. He's wonderful, he's good, he's righteous. God was making a way and wanted people to be saved. Don't take for granted who our God is. It almost seems too good to be true that God will come down and save because if you look at every other religion, there is a sense or behind the curtain that you have to do good stuff to get approval from God and earn his love. Every religion, even in the ritual, the Jewish tradition and the sacraments, they were all a foreshadowing a type of Jesus to come. But it was like, I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. This is why God gave us the law so we would clear, clearly see that we could not rise to God's glory and his goodness. And Jesus declared in John that he came down from heaven to give us grace. And this is why he gave us signs and wonders and prophecy so that we would know it because it's so far from the way that we behave in the world and the world system controlled by the devil because the devil wants to kill your life, destroy your life, deceive you, have you walk in a big old narrow, uh, big old wide path, but it leads to destruction. But the way of Jesus that is actually reality and truth is narrow and this is why Matthew says in verse 22 and 23, all of this took place. I like to call the Christmas story an event rather than a story. Story you think of like a fable, make-believe, a fairy tale, a feel-good thing. An event is actually happening. History. This historical event took place to fulfill what God had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this was a reference from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which was 700 years before Jesus' birth. God wanted to make sure we all knew it was God who proactively provided salvation. This is why we have like Micah 5, 2, to say that Jesus and this baby would be born in Bethlehem born of a virgin, and all these different signs that God gave. He wanted to work in an unusual way of his grace and our faith for salvation so that he would receive glory and we wouldn't take the credit. So Matthew's saying this took all place because of God and he wanted to receive the glory. So Joseph has a decision to make based on this whole incredible story. He can obey or he can rebel. He can believe or he can walk in unbelief. He can have some faith in what the angel just told him and apply that to his life and move forward or he can say, I don't care what you said. I'm still all about me. I don't wanna deal with this, what other people think. He had to choose, am I gonna fear man or am I gonna fear God? Even though there was a supernatural evident way, I mean, this guy had an angel appear to him in a dream. This is like, I mean, this is like sort of inception, man. Like there's multiple things going on here. You got a virgin birth, okay? You got an angel. You got prophetic dreams. Later, you're gonna see like, there's like crowds of angels. There's wise men. There's all these things happening. 
And you would think with all of this stuff happening, that would be a simple, easy decision. But it's really not, is it? Because in your life, God has worked supernaturally. And he's spoken to you in quite incredible ways. You may not think about this, but it is the act and grace and mercy of the Holy Spirit that teaches you the eternal truths of God through his word. That alone is a miracle. Your salvation, that you would respond and have a gift of faith and even be saved and know the Lord is a miracle. The fact that you even pray and talk to God and have seen him work in your life is an absolute stunning miracle. But yet, miracle after miracle after miracle in our real life It still takes faith. So Joseph had to decide, what will I do? Even though God is God, he allows us to exercise faith and trust him or not. And he still does this today with us. And so we see Joseph hear the word of the Lord and his faith was built up and he obeyed. In verse 24 and 25, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, Mary, but knew her not until she had given birth or gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph responded to the word of the Lord and was able to become, check this out, the stepdad of Jesus. You ever think about that? Stepdads have a terrible reputation He was a stepdad. He did not conceive this baby with Mary. Holy Spirit did, even though he was the bloodline of David. But think about how cool that would have been. Like, if you have multiple children, you know, some children, like, they're, like, high maintenance and other are low maintenance. How easy would it have been to to just, like, obey, like, to just parent Jesus? Hey, you know you can't do that. Okay, yes, yes, got to live in perfect, perfect unity. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that Jesus did not cry. He cried. He was humanity. He had, he had his diaper change, all this different stuff. But, like, think about if you correct Jesus as a teenager. Would have been awesome. You wouldn't have had to repeat yourself. It would have just been perfect. And be like, okay, me and Mary are going out. Jesus, you watch the younger kids. Oh, the best babysitter ever. I'm just saying there is, again, doesn't scripture doesn't say, but there are some amazing benefits to being the stepdad of Jesus. This is a real life situation. He was blessed because of that. I think that's important though. Because in your real life and in your real situations, you will be blessed as well by really cool things in this life if you respond by belief and faith as well to what God has spoken about the future. It will be like really cool things. Like, yes, the hope of heaven is real, but you will actually enjoy your life and have an abundant life when you take the word of God and you apply it in your life and you follow after God and you have the decision to make. Don't blame that on God. God is a God of miracles. Jesus was coming He was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary. Joseph had to decide or not, and you have to decide. God has a plan. It is perfect. It will be supernatural and amazing, but will you receive that plan, and will you accept it and apply it to your life? If so, the Bible says you will be blessed. So Matthew shares this information with us simply because he just wants us to embrace the story, this information, just as Mary and Joseph had to embrace the story. 
Remember Mary in Luke chapter one, she said, okay, blessed are you, O Lord. She wrote this song of praise and said, I'm your servant. I, I believe. She believed uh, by faith, went to go see Elizabeth and responded by faith. We see now Joseph respond by faith. It's like God's giving us these stories to actually show us, hey, if God is with us, we can respond by faith and we can be blessed and this can impact our lives. This is a real event that happened and real humans could actually partake in what the Lord has said and respond and enjoy God's presence through the power of the gospel. Matthew wants us to know the story is real. And just as it transformed and changed Mary's life and Joseph's life, it can do the same thing with you and I. And so the application I suggest to you this Christmas is just embrace the story. Enjoy. When you think about Christmas and the Christmas story, think about it as an actual event that can affect your actual life. And as we close tonight's service, let's pray, let's enjoy this message of Christmas by partaking in communion. You know we actually engage in the story when we take communion. Because when we do this, we're celebrating that Jesus came to be with us, that we're saved by grace through faith, that we need the forgiveness of our sins and the work that only Jesus can do the shedding of his blood for the remission of our sins. And this is what these elements mean, that this juice is a symbol, a type, an element, a sacrament that we take and partake by faith and say this represents Jesus' blood shed for us. His body was beaten and broken for us, that we would be cleansed, that we would have righteousness. And just as Jesus came in the first advent, he will come again on the second advent, and we will actually be restored and renewed for all eternity when we live by faith and not by sight. God is now with us through his spirit. And we as believers come to the table, the Lord's Supper, to proclaim him as Savior and Lord and to by faith proactively live out this Christmas story and say, God is with us. God is with us. Praise God that we get a whole month of Christmas and candlelights and trees and gifts and suppers and feasting and celebration. But I can guarantee next month there will be a different season and you need to know that God is still with you because Christmas truly is about the gospel of who God is and his character and nature. And so as we come to this Christmas, he will show up in his prayer and his mercy and his goodness and we can praise him. The gospel is true. We're blessed when we receive it and apply it. And that's what communion is about. And so let's sing a song and close our service with participating in this Christmas story that Jesus takes away our sins. And just as he was, we read about the story of him being born, he died. Three days later, he was risen again. He's still alive and we can know him. And so God, we come to you right now. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for just simply, thank you, walking through this story this event, this thing that took place, help us to really believe the gospel is true. Lord, when raising our children and speaking truth over them, when giving tithes and offerings, when sharing the gospel, when reading the word and making the sacrifice, when praying, when being resilient, when bringing stand firm and fighting spiritual warfare, when doing all these things that we read about, Lord, we just continue to pray that you would allow us to receive your gospel and to walk in this truth. 
You are a God of love. You came down. You love us and want to be known. So build our faith this season. From all the distraction of Christmas, of all these things that are great, help us to see that you are the greatest. That you are the good news that we need. That you've made a way to be with us. So we pray, Lord, that you'd come upon us, that you'd be with us now as we celebrate and partake in communion. And that we would continue to remember you no matter what season may be. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.